I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. from the University of Utah. This time it will be about defending my own record. We're going to lay out the contrast tonight, and it's on. This is Dave Nduchanovic. Special coverage of Utah's vice presidential debate on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. The first, the only vice presidential debate between Senator Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike Pence set for tonight at 7 o'clock. Our time, of course. KSL News Radio is all over it, broadcasting from the U of U all day long. You got to tune in tonight for the debate on 102.7 FM, of course, so you can always listen on Alexa and get that instant reaction right after with our very own Doug Wright and Jeff Kaplan. And this debate is perhaps the most anticipated vice presidential debate in history. President Trump now down even more in the polls. Biden widening that lead after the last debate. Former Republican Congresswoman Mia Love is going to join us in just a moment to tell us what she thinks uh, the vice president needs to do to gain some ground. Uh, right when we opened the show this morning, Dave, you and I talked about our, the number one thing we will be watching for in tonight's debate. Let's talk about the second priority for us. Mine is I want to know how each of the candidates, if they could you know, secure the office, uh, will restore the health of the economy. Um, so many people still suffering, many people still out of work. I go into a local restaurant and you can see that it's 50% capacity because of social distancing requirements. And if we don't have healthy Americans um, by getting a vaccine out as, you know, as quickly and as safely as possible, I just don't see how we can possibly restore the economy to full health. COVID is a very, very big concern for me and my family. No question, but I hope it doesn't fall into an hour and a half of COVID talk. There are so many important topics out there that have just fallen by the wayside. Taxes, immigration, health care. Hopefully it doesn't just revolve around COVID the entire time. I've got to know where these candidates land on these topics that are really going to be uh, hitting us hard. Mia Love, former Utah congressman, good congresswoman, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're good. What's your number one priority for tonight's debate? Well, um, I, actually, this is going to be probably more important than even the presidential debate. As we all watch the presidential debate, I, I believe that the consensus was, gosh, when it comes to winners and losers, the American people lost. It was just a back and forth. You really didn't get very much policy. Um 
So one of the things that I keep hearing as, of course, I'm on CNN and listening to, you know, what other people are saying, um, the president did a good job solidifying his base or held on to his base, but really didn't expand, didn't make anyone who was in the middle um, Republicans who are kind of wishy-washy, who don't like what he says. He didn't bring any of those people on. But Joe Biden also didn't provide people a reason to vote for him, except for, I don't like Trump, and if you don't like Trump, you have to vote for me. So people are looking at the vice presidential debate, including myself, to see, first of all, who are the adults in the room. And I want a wide variety of policy um stance and policy solutions, including admitting or um, at least letting the American people know what you want to do with the Supreme Court bench, because that is something that will affect us for years, decades, centuries to come. If we change the makeup of the Supreme Court, if there is a push to change the makeup and put more people on the bench, that is something that I think that is going to severely impact um, our way of life in the United States of America. I love how you put that. Who are the adults in the room? Uh, sometimes it feels like uh, the viewer is just watching a fight between their children. And uh, uh, my question here, I guess, is uh, when I saw that debate, when I saw the presidential debate, it felt like President Trump was frustrated with the topics. He wanted to talk about certain issues, and the moderator just wasn't asking them. Give us a little bit of an insight, you having uh, participated in many debates. How do you get the the questions you want asked? Is that a negotiation, or is it just completely up to the moderator? Well, I think it's um, certainly up to the moderator and up to the candidate. I mean, um, candidates are very good with not answering the questions and answering the questions that they want to answer. The anger that I got from the president, and this is my view, is that he was, it's one thing to be angry on behalf of the American people, to say, I am so upset about what is happening here, what is happening to you, but it seemed as if he was angry on his own behalf. And I think that that's what was really off-putting. When I think about it and put my hands on the problem, it's just that you want a leader that's going to say, look, I understand these things have happened to you, but it's okay. I'm going to handle this. We are going to make sure we get the economy going, we get people healthy, and you don't have to worry about it. I've brought the economy up. I've been able to give people jobs. I will do it again. And so, I, again, we're looking at the vice presidential candidate now, and it's going to be more important than before because we are looking at what their policy stance are. I'm hoping we're not going to get a personality debate the same way we got with the, with the presidential candidate. Uh, former Utah uh, Representative Mia Love on the line with us. And Mia, I was, I'm was i so excited to be talking to you today because I felt like I could ask you this question and you and I could... Uh, Okay. Probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't worry. It's not, it's not an impossible question to answer, but, uh, both of us being females, the, the thing I, I thought about this morning on my way in is how does Vice President, uh, Mike Pence handle his tone, uh, debating Senator Harris a, as a female? It, or does that not matter anymore? I know it was an issue, uh, when, uh, during, uh, the debate with, uh, Sarah, Sarah Palin many, many years ago, but is it an issue anymore? Well, first of all, um, I 
I really think, I mean, we're not, we're not weak people. You know, women are incredibly strong and they take a whole lot and they're able to take a whole lot. Um, so I'm not really concerned about Kamala Harris and her ability to handle it. And actually, I'm not even concerned about Vice President Mike Pence. I have never known this man to raise his voice. I have never, he's always been incredibly calm, gentle. If you hear him speak anywhere, he doesn't get riled up. Um, he's actually fairly calm. I mean, he's got some very, um, uh, very personal issues. Pro-life issue is a very personal issue issue to him. And he's, he's strong about that. But I, I think that, um, I don't think we're going to see a problem with Mike Pence in, in that case. I think he's, from what I know of him, and I've met him over and over and over again, here's a man who um, pretty much ignored me and beelined straight to my kids and started to just say, what are you doing in school? How are things Aww. going? And it was genuine. <laughs> it was genuine. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't a show. It was really genuine. Um, and so I, I don't, I'm not worried about my tent and his and his demeanor, demeanor or behavior towards Kamala Harris. Well, thanks for uh, talking through with that uh, with me, Mia, because I did I did want to get that question out there to you. Um, having, yeah. you know, you've been um, on the debate stage before, and uh, we always appreciate it when you call in, Mia. Thank you so much. And Debbie, well, thank it, you for having me. Talk soon. <laughs> it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, we are just starting out. We're hours away from this thing uh, happening. I think there's an excitement. You can feel it here on campus. Uh, and I'm really excited to watch tonight. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Your voice, your vote. Utah's vice presidential debate. Special coverage with David Dujanovic. We are nine hours and eight minutes away from the vice presidential debate in our very own backyard. I think we're all U of U fans today. <laughs> Let's not go so far. <laughs> and Dave and I are just, uh, what would you say, a block away, a couple blocks away here at the, the Union Building uh, from where uh, Senator Harris and Vice President Pence will spar tonight. Hopefully not interrupt each other tonight. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. I cannot handle uh, another hour and a half of what the, the presidential debate looked like. Shout fest. Oh, interrupting every two seconds. Over the next few minutes, we're going to look into the two debate styles of the candidates and what we can expect. And then in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to a debate coach who's going to give us the recipe for victory. A championship debate coach. Yes. I want to hear what his rules of debate are. Um, let's start with the vice president. Uh, 61 years old. Uh, 
he, this surprised me. A Democrat until 1983, and that's when he shifted to the Republican Party. He ends up serving six terms in the House. Then he does a term as Indiana's governor, and now finishing up one term so far, hoping for a second term as vice president. And before he jumped into politics, uh, I don't know how many people know this, but he actually had a career as a radio host. Oh, you think the president was involved in the decision? Um, positive he would be. Of how to handle it? Mm. Oh, I don't, I don't know. We haven't heard a whisper out of the White House on this case. I mean, not a whisper. And the president comments on everything, doesn't he? You could have him announce corn prices are down. The president would have a press conference, it seems like. He's not bad. I thought it was going to sound like a podcast uh, because I'd never listened to him before. So when I was listening to it, like oh, he's pretty, he's pretty darn good at it. <laughs> and then he went up against Senator Tim Kaine in uh, 2016, and it's you know I think it's pretty clear he walked away with a victory in that one. To be honest with you, if Donald Trump had said all the things that you said he said in the way you said he said them, he still wouldn't have a fraction of the insults that Hillary Clinton leveled when she said that half of our supporters were a basket of deplorables. It's that it, she said they were irredeemable. They were not America. That was brutal. <laughs> that was a tough one. Uh, but Pence's style is very reserved, very even. As we were talking to Mia Love, she's like, I've never heard the guy raise his voice. And because he's had the radio show, he's used to debate. He's used to the conversation. Not getting rattled is a huge thing in debates. And he's mild-mannered. He can obviously deliver a line. Uh, and quite frankly, when I watch him, it's very easy to see him as a president. He's comes off very presidential. This has been billed. Um, by some in the media as the king of sound bite, bites versus the longtime prosecutor. The king of sound bites. Sound bites stick. Oftentimes, sound bites turn into headlines. And if they are well stated, uh, it can be a really positive uh, headline. If not, uh, then you're in, you end up trying to clean up the mess the next day. But Kamala Harris, let's talk about her. She was a longtime prosecutor in California, 13 years. Uh, Dave, since you had me give Mike Pence's age at 61, it's only fair to give her age at 55 years old. Uh, she knows how to make a case. Uh, you'll probably remember this tense interaction uh, in the Democratic primaries when she went after Joe Biden's record on busing. I do not believe you are a racist, but I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. Look, everything I've done in my career, I ran because of civil rights. But they, Vice President Biden, do you agree today, do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America? Then? No. Do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. Ooh, you remember that. I mean, anytime you start a line with, I don't believe you're a racist, you know it's going to be a bloodbath. And that's something that the prosecutor in Kamala Harris, you'll see that come out because there is a, a little take no prisoners. And when I listen to her, whether you agree with her or not, there's confidence. But 
more importantly, I would describe there's an intensity when I listen to her debate. What we need on the stage in November is someone who has the ability to win. And by that, we need someone on that stage who has the ability to go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump and someone who has the ability to rebuild the Obama coalition and bring the party and the nation together. I believe I am that candidate. I think where Kamala Harris will have uh, moments of, of being able to shine here, Dave, is uh, if if there are any, quote, air quote, untruths lobbed uh, during this debate um, by Vice President Pence, she will revert to her prosecutorial skills. And um, I think I, I've watched a lot of prosecutors in the courtroom. They're really good at bringing the evidence, not just stating a point, but bringing the evidence, and the facts to back it up. I think that's where she'll shine. I think where Vice President Pence will shine is, is I'll go back to what I saw of him when he was boarding um, Air Force Two to fly to Utah. And I watched his statement to the media just uh, as he and um, the, the second lady, uh, Karen, were getting ready to board. And he came across to me as very presidential in that moment. And I thought, here he is loading up that, uh, you know, getting on that plane right now and flying here to Utah. If he brings that here... it's going to be a good debate. One of the tricky things, I think, for the prosecutor side of, of the senator is when you're a prosecutor, there's no time limit. You could unpack. You can discuss... There's no time to unpack in a debate. You have to hit, and you have to hit hard. Hey, straight ahead, I'm looking forward to Weber State University's debate coach calling in live to teach us the right way to debate. We're going to get his take on the rules the candidates should follow during tonight's debate at the University of Utah. We continue our live coverage straight ahead. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.